It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself in a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 261, Quantum, the podcast that looks at news and views and culture from throughout the world. And uh, speaking of of throughout the world, uh, hi to those of you who are from Turkey, you the United Arab Emirates and Austria. And the reason you're mentioned is apparently uh, this podcast is high on the religious charts in each of these three areas. So that is wonderful. Uh, I'm not recording this from Australia. I'm recording it from a castle in Scotland. And uh, uh, it's the castle of my good friend, Al Smith, who really doesn't want people to know that he's got a castle. But um, <laughs> Everybody in Scotland lives in a castle. Everyone lives, lives in a castle. But actually, it is gorgeous uh, just here. It's, uh, you know, just an apartment that these castles have been made up. So we are going to look at world news and view, but there'll be a distinctive Scottish thing. Um, since Al's here, we don't normally have a guest, but I'll just say hello. Hello to the listeners all over the world. Um, <laughs> if my brother is uh, listening in Australia, get yourself converted, please. Okay. And uh, Al, Al's, Al's an interesting guy, too. I, when I first met you, Al, you, uh, I think you came in to see me because you'd just become a Christian and you wanted to write a commentary on Daniel. <laughs> that was, he's always slightly ambitious. I came in for a sanity check. Um, yeah, no, it was. But as, as I so very quickly learned, if you have an interpretation of prophecy that is unique and nobody's thought of it in 2,000 years of church history, shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to do the usual stuff, but I will ask Al occasionally because it is nice to be recording this in front of a live audience of one. Uh, and if you ever want to do this, by the way, maybe sometime we can have a discussion. But uh, let's begin with this piece of music, which all of you with good taste will immediately recognize. That's Enola Gay uh, from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. And you will, of course, know what that is about, or you should know what that's about. Enola Gay was the name of the first plane that dropped the first atomic bomb, named after the pilot's mother. So, guess what I've been to see? Here's a clue. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Says, now 
from death, the destroyer of worlds. Oppenheimer, uh, absolutely fabulous movie, long movie, three hours, so three hours plus. Um, a disturbing movie in some ways. Um, Ali, you been to see it? Not yet. Um, Are you going to? I need to. My daughter's going to see it tomorrow night. Have you heard this? There's a thing going around. There's a meme going around. You go and watch Oppenheimer. Yeah, and and then Barbie. Come out and then Barbie. Yeah. And so that's what they're going to do. Um, Hot coals. (laughs) I'd sooner walk over them than than go to Barbie. It's funny, Barbie was next door. And, well, I already spoke about Barbie uh, last week. So you can go to last week's to hear about that. We'll not go about Barbie, but... Oppenheimer, I, I tell you, that phrase, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds, from the Hindu scriptures. Um, what You know, a couple of things about Oppenheimer. Um, obviously, this is another movie about a tortured white male genius. Uh, right. And, you know, it's a racist movie because uh, his whiteness didn't help save his people, you know, because, of course, he was a Jew. And it talks about, you know, this, this is America, a white nation against the Chinese or Jap- sorry, Japanese people and so on. And some people are actually complaining about this. I, I just unbelievable. I, I'm sure they'll be complaining about lack of transgender representation in the movie as well. Uh, you know, just incredible. But as I went in to the, is it the View Cinema in Sterling? Is that what we call it? To um, see? The View, yeah, yes, it was. That would be it. Um, guess what they asked me to do as I bought my ticket? They asked me to donate to Stonewall. You know, I could so do one pounds between, or five pounds or ten pounds. So what's the link between Oppenheimer and Stonewall? They're both destroyers of worlds? No, it's just the view. is just the usual. It, it is um, what I would call the cultural um, corporatism wokeness that we often speak about in this. All right. Uh, Oppenheimer, highly recommended. Really make you think about a lot of different things. Uh, some world news just mentioned some things. Uh, Israel... The Knesset has voted to scrap the reasonableness clause, which allows the Supreme Court to overturn government policies. Now, I must admit, I'm, I'm, Al, I'm struggling to see what would be wrong with that. Who decides what's reasonable? That's my problem. If you're allowing an unelected Supreme Court to determine what's reasonable and they can overturn government laws, do, do you see my problem? Who elects the judges? Who elects the judges? Who judges the judges? You know, it... And, and, and who determines what's reasonable. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's an interesting one. Um, George Alagaya, the BBC newsreader, he died. Uh, the Spanish election, the right-wing Vox Party, did not do as well as anticipated, but the Conservatives uh, won, and the Socialists will struggle to make a coalition. There may be another election. And I think uh, this really disturbs me, actually. In Ukraine, the Russians have started bombing grain ports and they've bombed Odessa and the cathedral um, and that has enormous implications for world food supplies. By the way, um, it's more and more evident that what is happening is we are fighting a war in, Ukra- uh, in Ukraine, a war with Russia. Kenneth Clark, former conservative minister, I heard him being interviewed as I just drove here today and he said, no, no, this is uh, the UK and the US are fighting Russia. Uh, which I found utterly and uh, completely fascinating and depressing. So all of that is going on, and then we're going to go to this country. Uh, let's play this national anthem, see if you recognise it. Mm-hmm. 
That is the Greek national anthem. Uh, Al, do you know what is unique about the Greek national anthem? No, but I'm hoping you're going to tell me. It is the longest national anthem in the world. It consists of 158 stanzas. <laughs> you imagine standing for that. No. Uh, and it's, 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 it's the longest hymn in the world, actually. Yeah, but if they're good, you know, if, you know they'll only take five stanzas at a time, <laughs> maximum six. They take two. They take two. So it, it was set to music by Nicholas Manzaros, and in 1865, the first two stanzas officially became the national anthem of Greece. By the way, the lyrics, I know it's you from the edge of the sword, the terrible one I recognise you from the look with which hardness surveys the land drawn from the bones of the Greeks, the sacred ones and valiant as first. Hail, oh, hail, liberty. Have you ever been to Greece? No, not uh, there yet. Great place to go to Greece. I, I love going to Greece. Guess what? It's hot in Greece, especially in the summer. It's hot everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's hot in Greece. And roads. Let me again test this. I mean, it's really good having somebody here because I can see if I'm on the right track. How much of roads is burning? Oh, all of it, according to the media. No, no. So, okay, okay. This is why we're here. We're here to help you. Um, Twenty percent of the island is affected by this. Planes are still flying in tourists. The Greek government are still asking tourists to come. But when I read The Guardian, as I do occasionally, or when I watch the BBC or the ABC in Australia, it's all burning up. And the media here is full of stories like how to cancel your holiday, you know, yeah. you know how, to, how to claim back your money. There are only 42 hotels that have been affected by this. I remember when Australia, we had our very serious bushfires three years ago. And I'll never, ever forget somebody saying to me that uh, I think it was 25% or a third, or it might even have been 50% of Australia was on fire. And I said, no, it's less than 0.1%. Yeah. And, and she, her response was, no, that can't be. That can't be. It must be. I mean, the fires were serious, but there are fires all the time. And I've got some new, um, uh, well, I've got lots of information about it, but uh, i tell you what. Um, let's play this song just to keep it a bit lighter. All my bags are packed, I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say goodbye. But the dawn is breaking, it's early morn. Taxi's waiting, he's blowing his horn. Already I'm so lonesome. I could cry So kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm leaving on a jet plane I don't So many times I've let you down So many times I've played around I tell you now they don't mean a thing Every place I go I think of you Every song I sing I sing for you When I come back I'll wear your wedding ring So Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm a-leaving 
that, Peter, Paul and Mary, the best version of John Denver's song, Leaving on a Jet Plane, uh, that's not just people getting out, but people flying in to roads. And here's the fascinating thing. You would think with all this stuff being reported about roads and Greece and so on, that people would be less inclined to go. Does it make you less inclined to go out? The reporting does, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it has yeah. an impact. What you're seeing is going to affect what you think of the place. Yeah. Well, not according, not not according to Australians. Apparently, holidays to Greece for next year are already selling out from Australia. You know, people are desperate to go. And do you know what 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 makes me both smile and makes me kind of upset about it all as well? They're is, going to get a good deal. Well, no, it's not that they'll get a good deal. In fact, I'm not sure that they will. But it's the people who will go will be politicians and journalists as well, who on the one hand will be saying, we need to stop flying. And, you know, look what's happening to the planet. On the other hand, they say, please let us go to Greece as quickly as possible, even though it's unlivable. Well, there's, a, there's a big Greek community in Australia that's a, a voting bloc, so it does no harm to be seen in the right places, sure. <laughs> well, maybe. But, the, yeah, I think Melbourne at one point was the third largest Greek city in the world. And I, I know some of you listening to this are Greek, and I know some of you are Greek Australians. And uh, I, I love you all, and I do have to tell you that one Greek lady said to me that in a previous life I must have been Greek. Such was my temperament. So I, I, I took that as a, a real compliment. Right, so let's come back to this, is temperatures. So it was reported that temperatures were expected to rise to 48 degrees in Sicily, the hottest ever recorded in Europe. Guess what it got to? This week? No idea. 35. Which is like a normal Greek summer. Yes. Yeah. So we were in Turkey and uh, as we flew through here and we were in Istanbul and the temperature was 34, 35, which is, um, which is normal for this time of year. But here's something else. You know, this is where the lie comes in and there is a lie here. That 48 degrees, it came from the European Space Agency. But what they were using... And they just put it in like Prediction small print. Yeah. Well, no, they were they were measuring ground temperatures, and ground temperatures are completely different. Yeah. And comparing them with air temperatures, um, I think it was the Germany's Germans Achtung Reichelt called it the most intense climate lie since temperature recording began, and they called it sloppy and manipulative because basically it just wasn't true. And that news, that headline went all around the world. And I'll guarantee you that The Guardian and the BBC did not correct it. So where are the fact checkers when you need them? You're, you're, you're behind the times. It's now called BBC Verify. Oh, Verify. OK, yeah. well, be verified. A weather station at Concordia Research Station in Antarctica has just registered the world's lowest temperature in six years. But you didn't see that either. Um, it got dropped to minus 83.2 degrees. So I reckon... You know, I, Al, you're about the same age as me, dare I say that. Uh, when we were growing up, it was going to be a new ice age, wasn't it? Or do you remember that? Or was nuclear war? Or but what was it? It's always in 15 years' time. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's always, it's always done that. By the way, I'm going to put a link to a fascinating article on fires, um, on why fires are all over the world. What do you think? That, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really testing your knowledge, really. I'm not, I guess I just read all this stuff. But what do you think is the continent with the most forest fires? Take a guess. North America. No, Africa, by a mile. But we, that doesn't get reported so much. Australia has a lot as well, and there have always been fires. 
there are some trees like the eucalyptus for example that basically thrives on the fire it's necessary for yeah. it to be renewed yeah so it, it's it, it really is quite extraordinary the other thing is history now Al, do you know uh, Neil Oliver fellow yes, Scotsman absolutely do you like him um I like some of the things he says absolutely yeah, yeah so yeah he's fascinating um this is a, it's a lengthy piece. Again, I'll put a, a, a link to it. But this is him. Uh, he's a historian as well. This he is lives him. in Stirling. You were just there. Oh, he right. Lives in Stirling. Oh, I need to get hold of him. Because yeah. um, this is him explaining. Uh, Have I just doxed him? Some of the, no, 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 no. No, no. The, he's, he's explaining some of the, the heat things. So listen to this clip. It's at least worth remembering there's nothing new under the sun, including extreme warmth, to take but one source. Almost at random, Guyard's medical journal, published in New York all the way back in 1884, carried a story about hot weather. The piece began, quote, Many a man has mopped his brow during the summer months of 1884, declaring it was the hottest weather the world ever knew, which, of course, would not be true. The author went on to list extremes recorded as far back as 627 AD, when, quote, The heat was so great in France and Germany that all springs dried up, Water became so scarce that many people died of thirst. More years were picked out. 879, when farm workers were struck down within minutes of attempting work. 993, when the sun's rays were so fierce that vegetation burned up as under the action of fire. In 1000 AD, quote, rivers ran dry under the protracted heat. The fish were left dry in heaps and putrefied in a few hours. Men and animals venturing in the sun in the summer of 1022 fell down dying. On and on it goes, 1132, 1139, 1200, 1277. In 1303 and 1304, the Rhine, Loire and Seine rivers ran completely dry. In the summer of 1625 in Scotland, men and beasts died in scores. Meat could be cooked by merely exposing it to the sun. Remember that record temperature of 119.4 Fahrenheit on a memorable day in 1846 of 125 degrees Fahrenheit. More important than watching the numbers and the pizza pie weather maps, consider always who benefits and who pays the price of all this fear. Listen to the doom mongers like politicians John Kerry, Al Gore, Barack Obama, celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio, the software salesmen like Bill Gates, and watch their bank balances always rise faster and stay higher than the mercury in any thermometer. Listen to them describe how you and I... Must now, I mean, I just love that. 627, France and Germany had heats. What was the one? It was 892 or something. That the Rhine and the Seine dried up with the heat. It all depends uh, on where you start your measurements yeah. from. You know? in, in Scotland, the, the example he gave there was of a time when uh, people cooked <laughs> on the ground. You know, it just, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. So, I mean, there's, there's all stories of... There's lots of like, place names in, in England that were named after vineyards and things like that. Yeah. You, you can't grow grapes in the kind of the, yeah. unless it's much warmer than it is now. I mean, I do like the historical perspective. Uh, sorry, I'm going to, you know, you don't have to answer this question because in today's world, this could get you cancelled for life. But um, do you believe in climate warming or are you a denier? climate change? Um, I think it is a very useful tool for manipulating the masses. Just like they used to say about religion, you need a grand narrative through which you can control populations. So I would be sceptical. It's probably because I can recognise the propaganda and the tools, the tricks that are used to present it, that I'm not a believer in 
man-made climate change per se, I think that the influence we have is minimal and negligible. Yeah. By the way, I hope you can hear Al's voice because uh, he, I, we're just using one mic here. And yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think that's really good, <laughs> true, actually. Um, I think the thing that's missing, though, for a lot of Christians is actually the Christian perspective. And what I mean by that is God's voice. Yeah, God controls the weather. Uh, and well, yes. So I'd been going through the Shorter Catechism. We looked at the one is how does God execute his decrees? Providence. Creation and providence. Yes. Yeah. And. You know, as it happened this morning, I'm reading Jeremiah and I read this. This is God talking about punishing his people. And he mentions, amongst other things, plague. But he also says this, I will punish you as your deeds deserve, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in your forests that will consume everything around you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying these fires are God directly, you know, sending lightning. I mean, it's, it's as likely to be arsonists as anybody else. But, but I am saying that sometimes God allows, if you like, nature to take its course and lets us see what happens if he withdraws his restraining hand. And I think sometimes it can be um, very active as well. But also, I mean, if you look at the, for example, if you look at the amount of, say, carbon that goes into the atmosphere after a volca one volcanic eruption, you know, it's like 20 times anything that humans have done in the last 50 years, you know. It's... Absolutely. Right, we're going to go on to football, right? So, um, Trevor Francis. Do you know who Trevor Francis is? Trevor Francis was an England striker who was the first million-pound player. Yeah. Anyone who grew up in the 70s would have recognised him from the back of, like, cereal packets. Yeah. Like that. So, yeah. yeah. So, he's died, um, as you said, the first million-pound player. As it happens... Uh, the Saudi club Al-Hilal are offering £269 million to buy Mbappe. Uh, he's going to be paid, uh, let me get this right, I think that's just, that's just obscene. obscene, £150 million per year. Um, it, 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 is, it is obscene. I mean, in the, in the course of you and I talking, I mean, just let, let me look at this up, I had this down. In the course of you and I talking, he will have made... Uh, I think almost fifty thousand pounds, and he makes. Uh, May the Lord give him wisdom to use that money well. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, and then this happened. Joseph Martinez into Messi immediately goes down. Free kick given. Here we go. Here it is. Messi. That was Messi scoring for Inter Miami. Um, maybe the other bit of sports news. I don't think they'll say anything more about that. That's just ubiquitous. It's everywhere or on social media. But I do have to say this, and I'm really, really sorry to all our English listeners, but Australia have retained the ashes. And I am so delighted. And I say we, because I am uh, a Scotty which is what a Scottish Australian. Um, and I'm delighted. And I'm, I'm very thankful. If God controls the weather then that's why the rain came, so that we could retain the ashes. Um, are you on Twitter, Al? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. How do you feel about going on to X? I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. I don't. 
I know. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, Elon Musk has a thing about ESC. Now, I have to say, I love Elon Musk because I think he's probably saved social media from being the most oppressive thing that we've ever had. So I love that he's been a disruptor. Even if he bought it just to destroy it, I love it. The whole X thing, though, is just, it, it, it's just, it can mean absolutely anything to everybody. anybody and that's yeah. his point, isn't it? Well, kind of, although he, 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 he has liked it for some time. Um, the other one that I, I find is just incredible. Uh, I would love this. I would love the fact if he, if he put X because it was the cross, but I mean, he won't. But to see, to read the news through the cross is always a really good thing. All right, I'm going to play uh, a little piece of music. That was Sesame Street. Al, you look like one of the people on Sesame Street, but uh, <laughs> that's... <laughs> See, this is why people don't want to be interviewed by me. No, as long as it's not Big Bird. Uh, give me, give me who, who is it, like Cookie Monster? I'll be Cookie Monster. Well, I'm like... Uh, if I'm Cookie Monster, what does that make you? Oh, I'm one of the grumpy old men. Right. So okay. that's... that's but, um, no, you're thinking of the Muppets, not Sesame Street. Oh, that's, oh, that's true. That's true. The same say, well, that's the Muppets, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look... This, this is a great story. I love this story. There's a scholar of Sesame Street. Do you know you can get that? Uh, Tamara Kay, who's a sociology professor at Notre Dame, who studies the TV show's cultural transfusion around the world, is suing a conservative student publication, The Rover, for its coverage of her abortion activism. She claims that two of its articles were uh, defamatory, contained defamatory and false statements. Um, the only trouble is that the statements were true. Uh, she's advocated and supported abortion. But I just thought the idea of being a professor of Sesame Street, it really... Well, it, you know, it, it shapes young minds, it shapes worldviews, it's, you know, they're, 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 you can analyse all kinds of media messages. That's what you do in this podcast. Did you go to um, university? I did, yes. Did you stay in halls of residence? No, I stayed in a student flat because I was too late to get in, but I'm familiar with the concept. Right. Well, I stayed in a hall of residence, and here uh, in universities across the United Kingdom, we're now introducing apartheid. Uh, they're offering separate accommodation for gay and trans students. These include the University of Sheffield, Cardiff, Bristol, Bath, Southampton, uh, and Essex, and they are designed to keep LGBTQ plus students safe from homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia from straight flatmates. Essex University says the move was welcoming and inclusive. And it may be helpful to be with people who may have shared life experience. To be inclusive, you're excluding people from the space. Yeah. They must, have, they must have just like loads of these halls of residence. Well, they don't. And that's the problem. There are people who are being excluded who can't get accommodation because they're not gay. Uh, and, and, you know, can you imagine but You can just self-identify as gay now and you'll yeah. get in. That's well, oh, no. Fine. You, but but you, could, you, you could. But here's the other astonishing thing for me. Uh, that is that... Um, can you imagine a university saying whites only or straights only? Yeah. No. And it would be abhorrent if they did. No. Why is this any the less abhorrent? Yeah. I mean, that, but that's the whole point of world culture, isn't it? It's just it constantly divides and divides and divides. It, eats it does. Yeah. It does. Um, another one just sounds crazy, but this is again the UK. And it's a crime 
Um, I, I'm not going to ask you, Al, if you've ever committed crime, but I can guarantee you uh, that if what the police say here is correct, I would have committed crime because uh, police in the UK say that parents who refuse to use the alternative pronouns for their children or refuse to pay for their transition can be criminally prosecuted. It's a crime now, you know, it's a crime. I mean, that is unbelievable. Uh, this assists prosecutors to ensure that any victim, regardless of who they are, can get justice for the abuse they have faced. Woke police and woke corporations and woke politicians. I tell you what, I need a break. I need some Iron Maiden. That was Iron Maiden. Um, Ali, big fan of Iron Maiden. <laughs> no, he, he won't answer you, see? He doesn't want to offend the metalheads. Well, I like Iron Maiden, and that's the song Doctor Doctor, but this is the one that got me. The British Medical Association have been accused of staggering hypocrisy after offering to their staff a lower pay rise than the derisory office, office they, they called it derisory, that they've rejected from the UK government. To its workers, they've offered 5.25%. Now, many of the BMA, the doctors earning more than 50,000 quid, the 134,000 uh, pounds salary of consultants, and they're complaining what the, what the government offers them, which was over 6%, is derisory, but they've offered less. Is that not just straight hypocrisy? Look, I tell you what, let's come on to the church. Um, a while ago, I wrote uh, an article about this church, and it's one of those articles, because it was eight years ago, that still every month get hundreds of views. I, it was about uh, this church. Today is a new day. It will bring brand new blessings and brand new battles. But within every uncertainty, there is hidden possibility. So I don't dread any challenge that lies ahead because I remember all the victories behind. And my confidence is not in my circumstance. The Spirit of God is my supply. I'm steady under pressure and I'm ready for whatever because whatever comes my way today, the outcome is I overcome. Christ is in me. I am enough. I can handle it. I can't afford to stay afraid or let my faith hesitate. My purpose is at stake. And he who called me is faithful. His strength that is Elevation Church. Do you know them, Al? Steve Furtick yeah. just left the SBC. They left. And that is what um, I just want to mention. They have left the SBC. Um, you know, what's wrong? I was quite positive about elevation until I got to look in. And the things I'm not positive about, I, it's what I would now call moralistic therapeutic evangelicalism, uh, as opposed to even theism. It uses all the language of evangelicalism, but I'm sorry, but the finances involved. Their media is fantastic, but the theology is dodgy. Yeah, it is. Um, 
What's the best accent to preach in? Well, there's only one. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it results in 300% more salvation, <laughs> surely. <laughs> this, I've got to read this. And I'm sorry, if we're going to take a wee bit longer with this podcast, that's fine, because blame Al. Uh, but this, I have to read this. A fascinating new study has yielded astonishing results as data indicates preaching the gospel with a Scottish accent leads to 300% more people being saved. If the findings are correct, it may decisively prove that the Scottish accent is in fact God's preferred conduit for preaching. <laughs> we have to say... Thank you, Babylon B. <laughs> um, yeah, it is Babylon B. I mean, the full, I'll, the full, I'll put a link to the full article, which is great. But funny, please, please, funny. please. Look, guys... This is what we call satire. Yeah. When I posted this, people act, some people actually responded, um, <laughs> believing it, you know, and saying some people, one or two people were offended, yeah. and others saying, well, what a tremendous gift God has given but you. But what <laughs> happens if you're not Alistair Begg? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it is, and it was about Alistair Begg. And speaking of Alistair Begg, this has still, this has to be one of my favorite clips. This is what the internet was invented for. Listen to this. If you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing— Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense— I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You you didn't know a thing about church membership. And and yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Well, you know, did you? Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get their supervisor, Ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That's the man on the middle cross. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard that already, Absolutely. Al. Absolutely. Fantastic piece. The man in the middle cross said, I can come. Yeah. Okay, I'm now going to play something that I actually cannot think of anything more evil at this moment in time. Again, it's for real. I thought this can't be for real. It's a trans woman. Listen to what um, he says. I will let a doctor who has successfully transplanted a uterine complex before cut the organs out of a willing, healthy, transmasculine donor, place them in my body. I will devote myself, heart and soul, to their aftercare. 
I will have as much gay sex as it takes with as many trans women as it takes and let the transphobes and homophobes scratch their heads wondering what to make of it and I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. Well, what he says there is he wants to have an implanted uterus. And by the way, I, for saying he, I, I, you know, I'd be in trouble. But he wants to have an implanted uterus so that he can get pregnant by having sex with as many men as possible and then be the first trans person to have an abortion. I, the, the depths of evil in that are, well, what can you actually say yeah. except to understand why the Lord would burn up the whole planet when, it's, when it, people made in his image are behaving in that way? Okay, now, um, Seek, do you have your copy, Al? I've got Ask. No, 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 that's not good enough. No, Ask came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> seek, <laughs> right, you need to get Seek, because as it so happens, I'm that the book is now published, and I'm doing uh, a chapter uh, a week I'm releasing online, plus also we're doing it here in the podcast, and last week it was climate change. This week, uh, guess what this is? Here's Shania. Sanaya Chain, the Twain, she's not Sanaya Chain, Shamaya Twain, man, I feel like a woman. Why didn't you pick Aerosmith? It looks like a lady. <laughs> it looks like a Well, you can do that. There's so many things. Yeah. That, but I just, I love that one. In, in this chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but using Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Who would have thought in our lifetime that we would ever have found that it's controversial to ask a question, what is a woman? Uh, if you want to, again, we've, we've been spoken about the depravity of humanity. We've mentioned this many times, but it's still astonishing. It's how to tie a politician into knots. Yeah. And I think, you know, in, in the book, uh, I suggest, look at the problem and I suggest simply this. The Bible gives us a clear answer to what a woman is. That gives us the basis for meaning, life and equality. If you are a girl or woman, you must never let that be taken from you. Likewise, if you're a boy or a girl, it means something. You're not just a social construct, something humanity made up. It's the very essence of being human. And it's such an important issue. But 
man, what's such a confused world, um, such a messy world. Do, do you despair, Al? Or? Um, you can do, but then you have to keep looking at Christ and knowing what the end is, the end is going to be. And it's keeping that in view that means that you do not despair. Yeah. Don't give up hope. It's that hope of glory that 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 keeps you going. I mean, it is, if all you look at is the world and what's going on, yeah, then you would end up in despair. You would, and you know, as I say, when you're in Sterling in the View Cinema, and <laughs> you're watching Oppenheimer and the message at the end of the ability to destroy the whole planet, and then you come out and you think about artificial intelligence is going to get us, or COVID is going to get us, or climate change is going to get us, or racism and transphobia are going to get us, or you know, just all those different kinds of things. Christians can fear, I think, the devil's going to get us or he's going to win. No, he's not going to win. He'll never win. God is still sovereign. And there is a song that we're going to finish with. Thank you, Al, by the way, for letting me be in your castle. Um, <laughs> you are aware that someone else is selling his castle. Who sold his castle in Scotland this year? Come on, stay with it, man. I don't follow the BBC. Robert Zimmerman, otherwise a.k.a. Bob Dylan. All right. He sold his castle, and so that gives me the excuse. He had it. This was way up north, wasn't it? Yes, it is. It is up north. Um, Tom Morton, by the way, the Scottish singer-songwriter Tom Morton, has a, a lovely single, look it up, about Bob Dylan being the Laird of Zimmerman or something. It's, I think that's. I think the song is actually called The Laird of Zimmerman, but I'm not going to play that. I'm playing this song, Every Grain of Sand, which is possibly the most beautiful testimonial song I've ever heard. Um, I would say that the words are extraordinary and in what in terms of what we've been looking at think about this if every grain of sand is known by god do you not think he knows what your circumstances are do you not think he knows what's going on in this world i mean look at listen to the, the beauty of these words i have gone from rags to riches in the sorrow of the night in the violence of a summer's dream in the chill of a wintry light in the bitter dance of loneliness fading into space in the broken mirror of innocence on each forgotten face. I hear the ancient footsteps, like the motion of the sea. Sometimes I turn, there's someone there. Other times, it's only me. I am hanging in the balance. Now, I thought it was of the reality of man, but the lyrics I looked up of a perfect finished plan, like every sparrow falling, like every grain of sand. It is astonishingly beautiful. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who support... Uh, Quantum on the Podbean fundraiser. Uh, thanks to those of you who send back feedback, uh, including uh, Critical, which is always great to get. Uh, God bless you. And uh, from my mate's Perthshire castle, I uh, say goodbye. And next week, I don't know where we'll be. I hope, God willing, we'll still be in Scotland. Uh, but please do continue to send in your news from all over the world. Bye. In the time of my confession, in the hour of my deepest need When the pool of tears beneath my feet Flood every newborn seed There's a dying voice within me Reaching out somewhere Toiling in the danger And in the morrows of despair don't have the inclination to look back on any mistake. Like Cain, I now behold this chain of events.
in the fury of the moment I can see the master's hand In every leaf that trembles In every grain of sand Or the flowers of indulgence And the weeds of yesteryear like criminals, they have choked the breath of conscience in good cheer. The sun beat down upon the steps of time to light the way to ease the pain of idleness and the memory of decay. I gaze into the doorway. Of temptation's angry flame And every time I pass that way I always hear my name Then onward in my journey I come to understand That every hair is numbered Like every grain Like every sparrow falling Like every 